0: Hello, everyone! Welcome to Keeping Up with Mrs. Kelly, Season 4. This season's theme is What I Stand For. In this episode, Mr. Klatsko sits down with Mrs. Kelly to reflect on the pandemic and its effects on the school.
1: Hello and welcome to an episode of Keeping Up with Mrs. Kelly. I don't know why I'm doing the intro because apparently I'm the guest on this, but whatever. I will introduce myself. I'm Mrs. Kelly and today I sit with Mr. Klotzko again like a year later. I mean, obviously I've talked to you since then.
0: Yeah, we have. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, Once or twice. Yeah. Um, but you interviewed me probably, oh, that was one of the worst times of my life. Mm. So I appreciate you picking at my soul. At that point in my life.
0: You're welcome. I mean, this is kind of the, the point of a podcast, isn't it?
1: Is, is picking apart someone's is, lowest... You know,
0: getting to like the uh, journalistic integrity of, of people. Okay. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Well, it was, it's was. it been fun to listen to it now afterward. Yeah. And now you've asked to like recap yeah. the whole pandemic yeah. thing.
0: I mean, like you said, it's been more or less exactly a year since we last spoke mm-hmm. on this podcast podcast. And then the pandemic was really in focus of our conversation, right? Mm. It was it was tough times. Yeah. And there was a lot that we didn't know about. So what do you think? You've been doing a lot of these podcasts now. Right? I know.
1: I to be very honest, I think when you and I talked, I don't I don't know if I had listened to more than like one or two Podcasts myself. Yeah, like I was just we started this thing yeah. in a pandemic. Um, so yeah, I've, I've done a lot of these, but also I think when we, when we talked, I was blissfully unaware of not just about the podcast world, but about like, corona. Mm-hmm. When we talked, right, it was kind of like I think we were both under the impression that it was going to be something that would be fixed, you know, by the end of the school year, by sure. the end of the summer at the latest. And not understanding that this would be a crisis that we would deal with for Mm -hmm. 15 months.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So this is why I feel it's time to talk about it because we've experienced something that, well, this is something we've never experienced. Mm. And so looking back a year later, we can reflect on the path that we took, the choices that we made. Uh, what do you think did we did, did we handle it right way what what were the challenges what were the struggles what do you do you think that um is there let's let's start with this is there anything you regret on um, the choices made
1: no i think that we have we have handled it in a way that put the students and the staff and their their mental and physical well-being at the forefront like mm. never did we make a decision that was not weighing into that the most heavily. Right. And I think that that's why I'm really tired at this right. point of the year because that's been the focus, not on what, what could we do, what can we legally have the ability to do in this situation, but what is actually best for everyone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I had a conversation, a really informal conversation that was not about COVID, but we started talking about it, um, some colleagues and me. And one of our teachers said, "You know, COVID hasn't really affected us that much." And I just looked at her a little bit, and at first, my first my first response was to want to hit her because I'm like, I am so tired right now mm-hmm. because of COVID. Like, you have no idea how it has messed up my life. Um, but then I I listened a little bit, and she said, "You know, like our day to day has not changed." everything has been basically the same like it sucks not being able to travel to see my family but other than that our day-to-day lives have been really normal Mm -hmm. and i thought about it and i thought that i think is a really clear sign that we have done the job that we set out to do that we kept everyone as much as we could physically safe that we kept everyone as emotionally and mentally happy as possible right. in this awful situation. Right. And for people to say, hasn't been a big deal, that right. says a lot about how we've handled the crisis. Yeah,
0: I agree. And the interesting thing is that there were a lot of laws and, I mean, restrictions that were set into place. Mm. And those are guidelines that you have to follow, right? Mm. Arguably, working in a school, I would say maybe is the top three or four um, High risk or high demand uh, environments, mm. so to speak, right you have the older elderly homes, you have hospitals and then you have schools mm. so it's not like you are driving a taxi with a piece of plastic between you and your clients and no. that's it. Um, with that being said, how many new teachers did you hire about?
1: Oh my God. I don't even remember, but I just, I remember the panic that I started to feel in late July, early August, because we had no idea at that point how international travel was going to be. Right. And we had no idea. We had had some teachers fly out to go home for the summer, Mm -hmm. like to Canada and to the U.S., but we had never had anybody come back (laughs) Right. at that point. So we didn't know how that was going to work. And we also didn't know how it would work with people who who didn't live here already so that was petrifying in the summer and every time another person arrived it was just this like sense of relief Mm -hmm. somebody getting in from ireland was a small victory but then there was a day we had five people coming five international teachers all coming from the u.s and i'm like oh my god if these people can't get in like what do we do right what do we right. actually do right.
0: here and on the world stage i mean sweden sort of had a i wouldn't say it was that we had the most positive policies you know in the and, no. and so you had a lot of people coming from north america and i wonder what was going through their minds when they have to move to this distant northern country that is yeah, maybe in their minds, just ignoring this pandemic, you know, yeah, life yeah. as usual.
1: Yeah. I had that panic earlier in the spring because a lot of those teachers we had hired already in like January, February. And that was before any of this hit. And so I remember in like April just thinking, oh, they're not going to want to come. Mm-hmm. Like, And I respect that. I yeah. understand that. Yeah. They have this, their world is very different from our world. Their Their school has shut down. Everything is closed for them. They're in isolation. We're like, la, la, la. Everything is fine. We're still going to work as usual. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I remember that. And I, I set up video calls with them and just talked it through with them. How right. are you feeling? Right. What's going through your mind? you know about Sweden? We were all over the news. Right. My family was petrified sure. about what was going on sure. for me. Yeah. And I've, I've lived here before. Right. What are these families thinking? Yeah. And they... I think that was what really solidified my my decision to bring them here and, and knowing that they would be okay here mm-hmm. because they said, you know, we, we trust that it will be okay right. and we're really excited right. to come and we're also really happy to be able to meet the students mm-hmm. and not be teaching in front of a screen. And I thought this is a sign that these people are, are right for this right. job.
0: So throughout this time and with – Thinking about the students, the new staff, or even current sta- uh, staff that we have, um, and parents, were there? Were, did you feel support throughout this, or did did you feel that there were obstacles?
1: I think when you and I talked last spring, I you had booked me in, and then I, I postponed our talk because it was when. There was so much criticism, mostly from staff, about my response to it. And I I just thought to myself, I cannot go on a podcast right now and, like, talk about me as a leader right now. Because right. everyone, not everyone, but there are so many people that are questioning how I'm responding to this. It was a lot of pushback last spring from the staff. I think people didn't understand the magnitude of the crisis and... And didn't understand that in order for me to lead us through that really awful beginning, I had to, there was so much that I had to do that I couldn't be emotional about it. It was like, we have a ton of teachers absent. I can sit here and like be sad and go through my feelings, but who's teaching the lessons? Yeah. So I remember Miss US and I would message each other from about 5.30 in the morning until 7.00 from our respective her from her apartment me from my house her Mm. on her commute me on my bike figuring out how to do all these things I didn't have the space to deal with the emotional aspect right away and from the staff that seemed a bit that I was just harsh and and Mm. unreachable and really like shut off and Later, we were able to address it and, and talk about that, but it was like this is this is me helping us survive mm-hmm. this. Uh, after that period, and after we got over that hump of of how are we responding to this, how are we working with it, why am I acting in this way? Then it was there was so much support, so people being willing to cover, you know, when when we didn't have enough staff. Mm. Parents, Miss McCabe and I talked about this on one of the podcasts about how you remember that day when the parents brought in like a like hundred parents brought in.
0: I sure do. stuff. Yeah. It was one
1: of the most moving things yeah. I've ever seen. We
0: really fe- felt appreciated. Yeah, we sure. felt
1: it was. I I could not have expected, imagined anything like that. And then even when we were forced to to go distance, those times when smet it and recommended that all Stockholm schools do that even though it was against what we had been working with having the parents and also the staff be on board like okay this is a decision there's hardly any time to prepare this was not the direction we were going Mm -hmm. in but this is what we're doing now and having parents really supportive and saying like thank you so much for you know the information Mm -hmm. we know it's hard like Mm -hmm. keep up the great work we support you Mm -hmm. And then also after the kids <laughs> returned to school, they would say, "Thank you so much for keeping the school open because yeah. it's best for yeah. everybody."
0: I mean, I think there were times where I—I I, I dare say—30 percent of the staff were sick yeah. at home, right? Yeah. I mean, that is a—that's serious pressure mm. on a school. Yeah. Where do you find substitutes for 30 percent of the staff
1: in a pandemic? In a pandemic, yeah,
0: right. Nonetheless. Mm. Um, but as time passed, as things evolved, I personally feel as being part of staff that we are an incredibly strong team. Yeah. And I think either that, you know, shows that you're really good at hiring. Um, that included people. It shows, it shows, it shows the true character of people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's a, it's a great thing to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. It really is. So if we get a little bit into schooling, I w- recently was listening to, uh, of course, a podcast, which which we all do now mm-hmm. during the pandemics, and there was a study that showed um, American teachers, when asked what are their like professional goals or what are their goals about of b- teachers, their answers were tr- were about like getting the best grades possible out of their students. But when you ask Scandinavian teachers, it was more about the well-being of their students, Mm. having people or children Mm. grow into confident adults. What what do you think that is, like culturally? What's what's going on there?
1: Well, this is part of the reason why we returned to Sweden, because we could see that some of the pressures that were put on even our really small child at the time, Liam, was two to... Four and a half when we were living there. There were so many pressures that were so unnecessary. And I hadn't realized that because I had grown up in that. You know, I had lived in the States until... From the time I was born until I was 23. Like, there's so much pressure. And I looked back at my own self and thought, when was I actually happiest? And when was I most successful? And it wasn't when I was focused on having straight A's and like competing at a certain level in my athletics and all of these things that are on these imaginary but very real checklists that we all have as, I think, North Americans. It's just ingrained in the culture. You do these things, you do them well, like you have to achieve this, you have to be involved in that. There was just so much of that pressure and there Mm. wasn't this balance. Mm. And it didn't work with my personality. I'm a bit, I don't Mm. know if you have recognized this, but I'm a little bit like obsessive and... Yeah, maybe, maybe it doesn't show
0: through. I don't know, but you know, but also, I mean, I don't know what the word obsessive means because it could also, it can mean different things to different people. It could also have, there's levels to everything, Mm. right? And I mean, obsessive could also be determination. Mm. And I think that's a great trait.
1: Yeah, but I think in the wrong environment, it was, it was obsession. It was like perfectionism. And I've always been at my healthiest when I've been in Sweden where it's not this focus on you have to achieve these things and do these things and there's – I don't know. It's very hard
0: to I mean, explain. I mean when I lived, lived in the States, I if I would have to describe it that it's more of a dog-eat-dog dog world. Yeah. It is more competitive. It is, it is maybe every person for themselves mm. has to do well and excel Um at their uh, whatever skill that is, and then they have, they have to find that strength. And if you don't find that strength, you're, you're on your own kind mm, of, you know. Yeah. And sure, we live in a, also in a democratic country. There is capitalism in Sweden, but it's more of a welfare kind of uh, state, you know, mm. where we also – maybe we take care of our own. Maybe the government has more of a we take care of everybody, whereas in Americans, Americans take care of the, each other as well. Yeah. Um, but if we look at these different school systems, what, what could what could the states learn from Sweden and what and what could vice versa what could Sweden learn from the states?
1: Mm. I actually when I was in the states most recently, I did my I went through my master's and I, my thesis was kind of about that about taking some things from Scandinavian schools and applying them to to schools in the states. I think that there needs to be in the states more of a focus on on the well-being of the person and it's just not there mm-hmm. there's not this there's not time to think about that there's not the energy like nobody thinks it's important to worry about how are you actually doing and also there's not a a global awareness either the US is such a big country and such a powerful country that it's really easy to just think it's like the world and i've had so many people just be really unaware of What else is out there? We don't learn about... We don't learn religion in school. We don't learn about different cultures from around the world. Like, world geography is probably something I learned... I don't know. Definitely not below grade six. You just don't... And world history really, really glossed over. So I think that those are the two things. Balance, like, creating a whole... A whole being... And also, being a global citizen are things that the states needs to take into
0: consideration yeah. I mean, when you look yeah. at Western countries, I would say you know statistically, Americans don 't have passports, i mean not as many mm. um, per ratio as you would as other western civilizations yeah. right um, with that being said, American culture is extremely. Uh, prominent in in Sweden as Mm -hmm. well, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I always ask my students, you know, at the beginning of every year, I say, what is more important for you? Is it knowledge or is it grades? And we understand, and then students understand this, that they are in a system built on grades Mm. but how long does that last like how long the effect of having an a or the effect of having a c what what are the true benefits of that yeah it's going to get you into high school it's going to get you into the university and stuff that all that stuff but knowledge has to to be something more than that Mm. right
1: yeah i mean i think that grades are things that you get along with the knowledge hopefully that you've been working working toward but I I was just having this conversation a few days ago because grades like this is a very hot topic right now at the end of the school year
0: sure is. we were
1: talking about grades and I I talked about how I like no one, no one knows what grades I got and I was so convinced like this is I need this for my life and I fought so hard and in the states the system is different you can get all A's I got all A's all through school, I was telling Mr. Jung that I got an A-minus one time hmm. and I was really confused about what the little mark was and how I had to have my teacher explain that it was a minus and it meant it wasn't good enough and how it was like just this emotionally scarring thing. But no one cares. No one knows that. It's not like I walk around and people can see this on me that, oh, she, look at look at her. She got all A's. Like, right. even with this job, right. no one ever asked me what my grades were. Right. That didn't matter. No. So, yes, it's so important to, to study in school because you need the knowledge and you need the work ethic and you need to train your brain how to be uncomfortable and push mm-hmm. itself past its limits. But the grade is just this outcome sure. from all of that. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything in the big
0: picture. Yeah. This is true. I agree. And uh, do you think that the uh, North American teachers have adapted well to the system?
1: I think that there's still just this focus on how much you do, not on what you actually show. Uh, that was also really hard for me to go back to. So I was in Sweden, then I went back to the States for a few years and was teaching again. And I'd gotten used to the system of you don't grade by how many things you get right. It's at what level are you mm. showing your knowledge. And it's not like that in the States. Mm. So just blow my mind like i have to count how many questions you get right and that equals your grade like no Mm. it's so hard it's such a hard concept so i think that there are so many things that we all need to not just in the states but in sweden as well that we need to keep thinking about with education like what what things do we need to modify after we learn more about brain development and and also about society what's needed in society true
0: that's, that's essential also. What is needed with in society and what is needed to keep up with the times. Mm. So your producer tells me I've got to start wrapping this up. And so we're going to get to the rapid five, ah. right? right? Which is always a good thing. Yeah. Um, are you ready? Yep. Okay. What do you miss the most about the States?
1: Walmart.
0: Ooh, Walmart. That's a good answer. Okay. It has everything. It has Walmart everything. Walmart has everything. Everything. Okay, yeah. What do you not miss?
1: The food... It's all full of preservatives. and makes me feel sick. And driving, I do not miss that either.
0: But it's not like you live in Chicago or L.A. or something, did you? Or, no, but, but you, you, have just to, the distance. you have
1: to drive yeah, everywhere. I understand. Like if I want to go somewhere, I have to get in my car. Yeah.
0: And yeah. I don't like that. No. What have you done in your professional career that you're most proud of? The school. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Mm. And after the summer, you'll be in year four. I know. Right? With uh, third graders too.
1: I know, I know. It's it's crazy to think about. It's hard to to realize that now. This is like our fourth year, and yeah, it feels yeah. like just yesterday that we opened.
0: All right, name one thing in your bucket list.
1: God, it's got to be something travel related. I well, want you.
0: You kind of looked at a documentary today through yeah. a window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. And you're like, can you please share that with me?
1: Oh yeah. And I was I like, oh, have... she's
0: she's got the bug.
1: Yeah. So it was. I shouldn't have looked at this. Liam and I, my son and I, really love to go on these long. He bikes and I run, and we get a little bit obsessed with like how far can we go next time. And so his his first was from our house in Skugos to Stockholm City, and that was like nineteen kilometers or something. Mm-hmm. So he was af- after that he was like hooked, right. and so was I. And then. He's only eight now, so he just gets these ideas in his head and doesn't realize how unrealistic they are. But one time he was looking at Google Maps on my phone and he said, how about we bike from the North Pole to the South Pole? And then I saw that documentary that you were showing in class and I'm like, ah, Liam and I need to watch that because he actually bikes, you said, from Norway?
0: Yeah, from the tip of Norway to Cape Town in South Africa. Yeah, he would. And I think it took them 102 days yeah but with that they did fly from Tehran to Cairo because at when they were scheduling that trip Mm. the war in Syria broke out so they couldn't bike through there um all right you're on a deserted island what music do you bring with you one band
1: one band or one artist one artist Avicii
0: Avicii okay yeah pop techno we didn't know that about Miss Kelly
1: Mr. Paju, he has always known because every time I'm having a bad day, yeah. I will hear Avicii on the speakers in the school because he knows. But right. it's my favorite, and it will make me happy.
0: Awesome. So closing out, what are your expectations? What, How do you foresee the future of this school? Yeah, considering the pandemic is coming to an end, hopefully.
1: I want to be able to, to bring people here again. I miss that. I miss having people come. I think that obviously the the visitors enjoy being here but I think that we we then are reminded of what we have. I think we get in our little lena bubble and we don't realize how how beautiful the surroundings are. We don't realize how lucky we are to have these buildings. We don't realize how how amazing the student body is and the staff body. Today I had a guest here from Germany and she she was just blown away by how this could exist so close to the city and how lucky we are to have this nature. And she said, oh, I I met so many really polite students that were saying please and thank you and opening doors for each other. And I think you just need to be reminded of that sometimes yeah. by people who aren't in here in this mm-hmm. bubble every day. Yeah. Because we are really lucky. This is a wonderful place.
0: Absolutely. And
1: we we forget about that when we don't, get out of our bubble enough
0: i agree it's a great environment and it's been a joy to be a part of it so summer's coming i know i'm going to enjoy it you
1: i am too we all need a little break now
0: thank you so much for your time i'm really glad i got to recap with you one year later after all of this thanks for having me thank you for listening if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe leave a comment and share the show